about neighboring. We shared last week that our vision for this year is to really focus in on neighboring and how that could impact our lives, our, our life on mission with Jesus, and, and how it could truly impact our community for the better. And uh, so we're going to continue to jump in and look at uh, what surrounds the Good Samaritan story for throughout the next three weeks. And we're going to look at what we didn't read last week, the, the precursor text, which is Luke 10, 25 through 28, be on the screen here. It says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? See, he was great at asking a question back with a question. How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Wow, that's, that's a great lesson right there on discipleship. That's a great lesson on how to grow our relationship with Jesus, which is our mission. And it's hard to be a neighbor well. It's hard to neighbor well, I guess you could say, if you don't begin to care or love for the people next Door. I mean, genuinely love people. And if you want to genuinely love people, it's hard to do that if you don't love God because it's your love for God that stirs your love for people. So we have this opportunity here. And we're looking at questions that will make us think during the course of this series. So I want to ask a question. This is the opening question today. Are you a volunteer or a disciple of Jesus? And... We talked about this last week. We were reading a book about neighboring, and, and this was a gut-punch question for us, especially those of us driven to just put our hand to the plow and volunteer. It's, have we become great volunteers for Jesus, or we ha have we become a disciple of Jesus that has discovered the benefits of volunteering? It's different. It means a little bit different depending on our answer. And so we wanted to to dive in and look at this because it's nothing there's nothing wrong with volunteering in fact it's very rewarding to serve others Jesus himself obviously said he came to seek and serve not to be served right came to seek and serve the lost and from the get-go at open life we kind of thought about volunteering seven years ago we started this church and we said you know, in the traditional church world that some of us in the initial launch team had been in for quite a few years, we said, it's easy to put somebody in a classroom or whatever, and they serve for like 11 months a year. Just never see the light of day. <laughs> They're in a room teaching kids or something. And we said, we don't want to do that. We want to create a rotation schedule, like where nobody serves more than twice a month, so that they could be in service and grow as a disciple as well as growing as a volunteer. Because it's this both-and thing that is vital. Yes, we need to, to create a volunteering culture, but even more so, we wanted to create and allow the space for a discipleship culture, a culture that could grow in their relationship with Jesus. 
And so you could hear more about the whys behind that kind of stuff as Jaden announced there at 101 or 201. And sign up for that by checking the membership box on your Connect card. All the magic will happen behind the scenes to sign you up for that. Or you could actually go onto the app and sign up for that event at the end of February. But, you know, that's kind of the why behind our scheduling is we wanted to value both volunteering and discipleship. Because both are vital. Both and, not either or. Volunteering produces agents of change. And, yeah, if, if we grow in our relationship with Jesus to the point to where we then volunteer, something magic happens. Our drive is different. And it's fun to be in venues in the community, especially the nonprofit venues where there's a lot of people who serve the community. And these are the leaders of the community. These are those who are creating the change that then the community experiences because they're picking up the needs where things are not being met necessarily. But there's also other amazing volunteers to witness. This week I had the opportunity to speak at the Martin Luther King Assembly at Lake Ridge Middle School. And at the end of the assembly, the second assembly, I go into the back and there's the superintendent of the Sumner School District and talking with some of the teachers, and we have a quick conversation. And I watched as the student leaders and teachers and choir start stacking chairs, getting the room ready for lunch. And it was so quick that the superintendent, the highest person in the school district, dropped her conversation and went right over and started stacking chairs. And I started just watching how leadership was experienced in that moment in the room and respect was gained through really her getting outside of her role and responsibility and volunteering. She could have easily just not thought, oh, this is, this is too little of a task for me to participate in. It was actually really cool to witness. And I go, that's what volunteering does at our core. It actually makes us a greater leader, a greater agent of impact in our community, in our neighborhood. You know, it's as simple as being that guy out on a walk and noticing it's the day after garbage day and one neighbor's garbage is still out at the sidewalk. There can. It's as simple as grabbing that and rolling it up the driveway and never even saying anything about it. Just serving. So we can create that kind of a heart, but if we do that and we never grow our relationship with Jesus, we'll still be missing out on the full potential that God intended for us as servants, as those on mission with Jesus. Because you serve others, it doesn't automatically make you a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. Just like standing in your garage doesn't make you a car, right? Uh, it doesn't. You're just standing in the garage. And it is, so it's kind of realizing, okay, so, so if I'm going to take care of this discipleship factor and this volunteering factor in my life so that I get both rewards, I need to ask questions like, what is a follower of Jesus and how am I going to do that in increasing measure? How am I going to grow in that area? So we came up with four questions for you today. Question one, is Jesus Lord of all my life. Is Jesus Lord of all my life? And for early followers of Jesus, this was a dangerous statement to make. Culture 
was one, if they confessed Jesus as Lord, it was very dangerous because they were in this Roman rule that believed in uh, multiple gods. If you, you know, the, it was called a pluralistic society. They believed that even the Roman rulers were the lords of communities. And if you said you followed Jesus, they knew what that meant. That meant Jesus was the Lord of your life. And if you believed that, that meant you were the problem in society. Well, why? Because in that day, if something went bad, they would blame it on the person who wasn't serving the Lord, being the Lord's, their gods, their earthly gods, well enough that the gods were mad. So the gods were mad at the Christians in their perspective because the Christians said, Jesus is the one and only true God. So if something went bad in the community, guess who got to blame? Let's go kill the Christian and everything will be okay. Let's throw him in the volcano, right? That's the, you watch those old movies. King Kong. That's quality film work right there, too, when they throw people in the... But that, you know, that's the, just the challenge of it is they blame the Christians. Following Jesus or stating that Jesus was the Lord of all your life was a death sentence. But yet they knew Jesus and they weren't going to deny him. And they followed him to the death. It's crazy. But yet... That's what Jesus challenged them to do. He said in Luke 9, 23, he said this to a crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And the early church did that. They understood a word called lordship. Lordship meaning that it's a mindset of faith that lordship, like Jesus, you are over all my life. Versus, sure, I'll put on the shelf of my gods, Jesus. That's not what Jesus preached or taught. Jesus taught, no, I am your God. So there's a story that I was made aware of years and years and years ago. Read it in the context of many environments and can't remember if I've read it here. So if you've been with us for all seven years, maybe you've heard this story. But I want to read this story that really teaches a lesson on lordship. And uh, uh, it's fictitious, obviously, but it's very insightful. Picture, anybody seen the trailer for the new uh, Beauty and the Beast? You seen that? You excited for that? It looks dark and grah, right? Um, so picture the Beauty and the Beast castle, maybe, in this story. Here we go. Once there was a very wealthy young man who lived in a great elaborate house with dozens of rooms. Each room was more comfortable, more beautiful than the one before it. One day he heard about a pleasant guest to have into his home. So he invited him to stay there, and when the Lord arrived... This young man offered him the very best room in the house. The room was upstairs and at the end of the hall. This room is yours, Jesus. Stay as long as you like and you can do whatever you want in this room. Remember, Jesus, it's all yours. And Jesus said, thank you. And with that, the man shut the door and went about his business. That evening... After he had referred or retired for the night, there came a loud knocking at the front door. 
the young man pulled on his robe and, and made his way downstairs. And when he opened the door, he found that the devil had sent three of his demons to attack the man. He quickly tried to close the door, but one of the demons kept sticking his foot in the door. Sometime later, after a great struggle, he managed to slam the door shut and returned to his room totally exhausted. Can you believe that, the young man thought? Jesus is upstairs in my very best room, sleeping while I am down here battling demons. Oh well, maybe he just didn't hear it. Can I take a time out in the story there? Jesus has the gift of sleeping. I just have to say, right? It was noisy, I'm sure. Let's not knock him for that. Some of us can just sleep through anything. I just, that's free. That was mainly for me because Dana's in service today. I'm just, I could sleep through stuff. Love you, honey. Okay, here we go. Uh, so um, Jesus was asleep just like he was in the boat when they were about to drown and all these stories. But the young ruler is a little mad about it. We continue. The young man slept fitfully that night, and the next day things went along as normal. Being as tired as he was, the young man retired early that evening. Along about midnight, there came such a terrible ruckus at the front door that the young man was sure that whatever it was was going to tear the door down. He stumbled down the stairs once again and opened the door to find that there were dozens of demons now trying to get into his beautiful home. For more than three hours, Hours He fought and struggled against the demons from hell and finally overtook them enough to shut the door against their attack. All energy seemed to fail him. I really don't understand this at all. Why won't the Lord come to my rescue? Why does he allow me to fight all by myself? I feel so alone. Troubled, he found his way to the sofa fell into a restless sleep, and the next morning he decided to inquire of the Lord about the happenings of the last two evenings. Quietly he made his way to the elegant bedroom where he had left his guest Jesus. Jesus, he called as he knocked on the door and opened it. Lord, I don't understand what is happening. For the last two nights I have had to fight demons away from my door while you were sleeping. Don't you care about me? And he could see the tears building in Jesus' eyes, but continued on. I just don't understand. I really thought that once I invited you in to stay with me, that you would take care of me, and I let you stay in the best room of my house and everything. What more can I do? My precious child, Jesus spoke softly. I do love and care for you. I protect all that you have released into my care. But when you invited me to to come here and stay, you brought me to this lovely room and you shut the door to the rest of the house. I am Lord of this room, but I am not the Lord of this house. I've protected this room and no demon may enter it. Oh Lord, please forgive me. Take all my house, it is yours. I am so sorry that I never offered you all to begin with. I want you to have control of everything. With this, he flung open the bedroom door, knelt at Jesus' feet. Please forgive me, Lord, for being so selfish and blind. I want you to be the Savior and Lord of this house. I'm sorry that I have separated myself from you by locking you in this room. 
come and take control of the whole house. Jesus smiled and told him that he forgave him and that he would take care of the things from now on. About midnight, the banging on the door was frightening, the, the most violent yet. The young man slipped out of his room in time to see Jesus going down the stairs. He watched in awe as Jesus swung open the door. Satan himself was standing outside the door and had brought uh, a legion with him. What do you want, Satan? The Lord asked. The devil bowed low in the presence of the Lord. So sorry, I seem to have gotten the wrong address. With that, he and the demons all ran away. Is Jesus Lord of all your life or just a temporary guest? That's the challenge. Question two. Are you living according to the scriptures? Are you living according to the scriptures? Are you reading the scriptures so that you can have a guide in this life to live life to the full, which were promised by Jesus? It's very important how you read the Bible when you consider this. Oftentimes, New Year will start and you'll start to read through the Bible. Maybe you'll start at Genesis. and The whole Bible like, is this curved text, I guess you would say. It builds up to Jesus and then it reflects on Jesus. And we have to remember that, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. From the moment sin entered, it all led up to Jesus, and it's all been looking back to him since. That's the lens in which we have to live. You can read something in the Old Testament that seems harsh and cruel, and, and, and you're going, man, why would God do this? But you have to remember, you have to take its context. The lens is, this reveals the need for a Savior. So we have this scripture that we can guide our life by. But we do have to read it carefully or else we'll read this passage over here with the same weight as this passage over here. And we'll end up cutting a hand off because we sin or gouging an eye out because, you know what I'm You can read scripture and get yourself in trouble. If you don't understand, yeah, everything was God-breathed. It's all there for a purpose for teaching. But yet, the pinnacle is Jesus. So through that lens... We can grow through regular exposure to the scripture. Jesus said to the people who uh, believed in him in, in John 8, 31 through 32, it says this. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we'll remain faithful to the teachings, we have to be exposed to them. We have to have regular developed rhythm of reading the scripture outside of Sunday. We have to have some sort of pattern, call it daily, where we have a time with God. In the Christian world, this is called a daily devotion. Something I didn't know the meaning of when I first chose to follow Jesus at the age of 21. And people were like, well, have you had a fat? Have you done your devotions? And I'd go, uh, what am I supposed to be devoted to? What is this? You know, but you might hear that term or read that in, uh, online or in version Bible, and you go, what's a devotion? It's simply this. It's spending time daily reading Scripture, praying, have, developing this relationship with Jesus that he so longs for. 
We get this opportunity. We cannot remain faithful to the teachings of Jesus if we do not know the teachings of Jesus. We'll, we'll just, you can't expect what you don't express. And God has expressed all of it in the context of scriptures. And now he expects us to learn it and grow by it. It's a window into the heart of God. And God will illuminate things. I can read the same passage over and over again, and he'll illuminate a different aspect of it every time I'm reading through it. It never grows old. It's a living text that is beautiful. Scripture shows us the condition of our own heart and challenges us to take action of correction. And if we surrender wholly, like our whole life to Jesus, and allow ourselves to be molded by the Scripture, it's transformational. James 1 says this, kind of phrases it this way in verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word of God that was planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you'll only be fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing into the mirror at your face. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look at. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I remember the first time I read that section of scripture, and I was like, this really is a book that you can listen to. And this was before audiobooks, students. This is before you're like, well, yeah, I can totally listen to it. You just hit the sound icon, right? Hook it up to my Bluetooth. Anyway, uh, but the, the reality is back in my day, way back when, uh, it was like the only book that you could hear. It was weird. I would read the Bible and it literally would grip me like I was having a conversation with God. And it's still that way. In the fall, we munch, modeled for you, uh, really it was last year during a great section of the year, we walked through the book of Romans. And we modeled a way of spending time daily with God called SOAP in a Romans reading plan. Uh, there's all kinds of strategies you could use to spend time daily with God. SOAP is basically reading scripture, having observations about it, and uh, so then you, you, you look at, man, what could I do with this, right? What application can I do with this scripture? And then pray. There's other strategies out there. This is the one I used when I was first exposed to the church. The church I was going to had the fill-in, hand-ins, kind of like what you have today for a season. Didn't have it on an app, but it had it on a piece of paper. And I would fill it out. During the course of that week... I would simply take the text, the scriptures and stuff, and my Bible, and I would, like, review that talk all week long. I would just sit there and think, man, how does this apply to my life? What could I do differently? And I would, I would really process that, like, for the whole week, because I didn't know of a specific, like, devotional book to read or different stuff. That was literally the tool I had. And, 
And it worked. Like I grew in my relationship with Jesus by doing that. There's so many different ways today with technology that you can do that. Now there's no excuse. You can, you can walk through the notes because they're right there inside the Open Life Church app. You can listen to the talk over again. You can listen to the way it was communicated in Sumner versus the way it was communicated in Bonnie Lake. Uh, you can uh, download a devotion plan from the YouVersion Bible app of which there's millions of devotional strategies. One's with a little scripture and a lot of thought. One's with a little thought and a little scripture or just a little scripture or a lot of scripture. And work your way up year after year and find yourself eventually in like maybe a yearly reading plan of the Bible. There's so many strategies. The most important thing, though, most of these conclude with, is prayer. Interesting. It's it's real easy to just like do your devotions as you grow in a relationship with Jesus. So you're separated from when I was 21 and reading through the notes every week. You can easily, now that I'm 44, <coughs> anyway, um, you know, you can easily, as you get more mature and wise, uh, forget the simple conversation with Jesus, which is prayer. You forget to have an ongoing dialogue, and what relationship can survive if you never communicate? So no matter how much we're reading and taking in this way, we need to have a conversation. That's what prayer is. It's having a conversation with God. And maybe you haven't done that. Maybe you've never tried that. I just challenge you, just simply, hey, Jesus, here I am. Great to chat today. Have a good one. You know, I don't know. It's like, figure, you'll figure it out. It'll just, it'll feel clunky at the beginning, but then you realize, man, I can really share my thoughts with God. John 15 says, I am the vine. Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a bundle uh, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Question three, is there fruit in your life from following Jesus? Is there fruit in your life? Because Jesus here says, if you are... Growing in him, if you're in the vine, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you will have evidence of that relationship, which is referred to here as fruit. It's the evidence of following Jesus. And the most evident evidence, the most identifiable fruit, is love. How's love? How 
quickly do you give grace and love to others? And how hard is it? Does it flow out of you? Or you really have to go, oh, man, this is when I have to love, right? It's like, no, no, it should come out of you like, man, I get to love. And, and you watch your heart change. The fruit of all of our lives should be this love. And can people tell, could they raise up charges of being a follower of Jesus on you by the fruit in your life? Could they say, well, I... I think they smell like a Christian, they act like a Christian, and they are a Christian. Now, sometimes that could be bad, but I'm not going to talk about that today. Why focus on the negative? Because there are some Christians that are very evidently thinking that they're a Christian, but they forgot the whole, like, Jesus, grace, and love part somewhere in the midst. And, and okay, love them. Lord, touch their lives. Amen. Uh, John 13 says this in verse 34. Now I am giving you a new commandment. Again, this is Jesus giving us a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. See, it's the fruit of our lives that should be so evident to our neighbors. Galatians says it this way. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Final question here. Question number four. Are you on the mission with Jesus? Are you on the mission with Jesus? Attending or volunteering at church doesn't mean you're on the mission with Jesus. Are you loving others in community? Are you loving your neighbors? Are you growing daily in your relationship with Jesus? That's becoming a disciple of Jesus. If there's no evidence and no fruit, no transformation... Are you spending enough time with Jesus? Are you really growing? Are you on his mission for your life? This is the mission he gave us. He said in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have it back there on the, the, the banner. We talk about it at 101. Um, at 201, we say we've got three practices here. We're connecting, we're serving, and we're sharing. We have to be a sharing people. We live in a culture that understands sharing better than any other generation. Why? Because every social platform has a button called share. Some overshare. Some need to share. But in the realm of our faith, we've never been commissioned to be salespeople for Jesus. We don't have to go out and try to pitch Jesus in such a way that, well, what will it take for me to get you into this relationship with Jesus? Let's talk bottom line here. You know, I, uh, that's not the conversation we get to have. We just literally get to say, Jesus is like, 
touched my life. I used to be a person that was pretty rude to others, but now I love people. You should check them out. That wasn't a sales pitch. That wasn't a force. That was just an opportunity. And we're never called to be pitchmen for Jesus. We're just called to share what he's doing in our life. And we're not called to share. I mean, imagine if Facebook said, you can share what's happening in your life today as long as you're perfect. Hey, guys, if you're totally perfect, you can hit the share button. If not, self-discipline yourself. Don't be a sharer. Facebook would be boring. Facebook would be empty. (laughs) The reality is Christianity is the same way. You can share your journey and what's happening in your life and your relationship with Jesus no matter how imperfect you are. And we're all not perfect. That's the challenge. We've got to be more about sharing. Yeah, sharing our life with God in our daily time with him, but sharing our lives with others. We need to open our life up a little bit. Thus, great name for a church that's about that, open life. If we'll open our lives up to our neighbors, what's possible? Yeah, we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we need to start to allow that love to open our lives up to our neighbors. And be sharers, experiencing this fruit of love. So the final question, this is what you go and think about this week. If you pull your notes out or open them up on your phone, how can I love God better today? than I did yesterday. You know, honestly, as a communication team, we wrestled over that question. That thought of better. Because you can easily get stuck in a relationship with God that you think you have to work for again. Get this. You can't be loved better. God loves you as much as he's ever loved you. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to this earth to live and die on a cross for you and me. He loves you. His love is extended to us to respond to every day. But we as those in a relationship with God can grow. We can get better at our relationship with him. It doesn't mean salvation. We can't work to salvation. That's extended to us. But we can work at having a better line of communication, having a better relationship. So we've got to ask that question, man, how can I grow my relationship with Jesus? How can I do a little better? Don't give up when you're facing your shortcomings right in the mirror. Just clear the way for you and God to have communication with one another. Become a disciple and not just a servant. Our shortcomings should not keep us from loving God. They should identify how our relationship has opportunity to grow. We need to be on mission with him and specifically loving those that are closest to us like our neighbors. I want to pray for you today and um, just ask yourself these questions. I mean, there's so many of them in our talk today. But ask yourselves the question, man, what God can I do to grow my relationship with you? today. Just ask yourself that every day this week and watch what the Holy Spirit illuminates in your life. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come here today.
and the opportunity we have to worship you and declare that you are mighty, that you're our God. We also have the opportunity to come and, and say, here I am, God, man, I have weaknesses. I don't have fruit in my life, and, and I want to grow in my relationship with you so that there will be fruit. I don't know where each of us are at in this room, but I pray that right now we could decide that you're going to be Lord, not just in our life, but of our entire life. That you're going to be not just a, a, a savior, you're going to be our savior and lordship will be important. We'll give you the whole house of our life. That 2017 will be a year marked by fruit and that fruit of love that will go through us and impact the lives of others. God, I pray for every person here that's going through different circumstances in their life. May they experience your love like never before, no matter what they're facing. Your grace, your mercy be extended to them. Maybe someone here hasn't had that opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to follow you as Lord. And may they do so right now, simply praying, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you more. I want to grow in relationship with you. And as they begin that journey, may we encourage them and watch them grow and touch this community, their neighbors, the lives of those who mean so much to them. In Jesus' name I pray.